Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking Philly Sports with Maddie B. I am your host, Matt Bernarczyk, and it is Friday, June the 5th, 2020. By my reckoning, day 83 of the global pandemic that has reached and gripped our country and our society. It is a pleasure to be here to talk, talking with you today. It's always a pleasure that I can sit down and do this and actually have the ability to do it. And today is no different as I uh, as we endure yet another day of quarantine. But the quarantine is lifting. People are, things are starting to turn back on. But, of course, in the midst of quarantine, we get social injustice. Then we get rioting and looting. And then we get a natural disaster with a tornado. So... I don't know. Maybe next week is Locust, and then that should be it, and then we can kind of go from there. But um, it's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to be here. It's a great day to be talking Philly sports. And today, on the phone with me right now, I ha- my guest, um, another pioneer, so to speak, in the field of Philadelphia sports media, WIP producer Jack Fritz. Jack, what's going on, man? Hi, it seems like a strong word, but... I don't know what you're talking about, Jack. I've never heard of that Matt from Mayfair thing. What is what is that of you speak of, man? That, that's... Uh, he's, 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 uh, makes an appearance on almost every show. <laughs> uh, and he's slowly working his way up uh, towards a legendary caller list. So uh, you may know, you may not know him, but uh, we're all big fans of his. So quick, quick, again, I've made no, I've made no, uh, I've tried. I've not tried to hide this fact that I, I do frequent WIP quite a bit. Now, to my defense, it's obviously due to the social conditions and the health scare that has gripped our country. Now, Jack, I am a WIP like OG. I, I was listening to WIP literally the first day it aired back in the day on six ten. I am a. I, I, I consider myself a WIP OG if that's such a thing. So. I, I, it's almost now. I wasn't a caller up until recently, uh, but I would I listened to it for years. But and uh, you would say that you would say that I'm your favorite producer in the WIP history. Is that is that where this is all leading? Well, uh, yeah, sure. That's where it's leading, Jack. <laughs> that's that's exactly where it's leading. Uh, so yes, you're my favorite producer uh, in WIP history. Now that's a wow. that's a long list of distinguished individuals that have have come down the uh, the pike. To include your uh, one of your uh, your coworkers on your show out there, uh, Johnny Morris. Well, he was a producer, correct? Yeah, he was a producer a long time ago, and he likes to remind me that he uh, he was the first one that was able to talk on the air. So he thinks he's a pioneer as oh, well. So Lord. he he uh, likes to remind me about his producing days for sure. So Jack, with that being said, is like producing the natural like step to going to become your own host? Is that like a prereq down there at WIP that you guys all got to start out as producers or is that just a kind of a foot in the door? Well, it's like, uh, it was, it was a path for me. Um, you know, I think there's a couple of different paths for people to take, you know, uh, like when I was in college and whatnot, it was, it was a lot of, uh, start small and get in front of a microphone and learn how to do a radio show in a a small market and kind of work your way 
to a big city. Um, and I just, I didn't ever want to leave Philadelphia. So I kind of took a chance on, uh, being able to start here and, and starting at WIT was like the dream. So, uh, for me, producing was, was the path, but it's not uh, a definite path. Like you can kind of go somewhere else and, and hone in your craft and then, and then come back. But for me, I always liked producing. I always thought producing was fun. So this is, this is my path. So are you, is like your destination, I mean, it was one of your goals to actually be a host? Yeah, I would love to be a host. Um, uh, I'm like very happy with where I'm at right now uh, and like very, very focused on that. So I haven't really given the hosting thing uh, much thought. Um, my main goal is to make Marks and Reese the best radio show in the city. So that's kind of where I'm at. Eventually down the road, uh, I would like to get, I would like to get into hosting, but your radio moves kind of slow, so it might take a little bit, but that's fine. I mean, I'm in a I'm in a dream position right now. Oh, I agree. I would love to be you. Now, just so that you're, you're, everybody understands, so you can find Jack. He is the producer of the Marks and Reese show on 94.1 FM out in Philadelphia from weekdays 2 to 6, and then on the radio.com app, just search 94.1, or not WIP, sorry. Um, now, that, that time slot, Jack, that two to six uh, time slot, that's a very important time slot in when the world is normal because you guys get the, uh, the drive-at-home crowd, and that's, that's definitely a, uh, a hot spot. Would you not agree? Yeah. I mean, I mean, radio is all about the drive time, so 8 a.m. and pretty much 4 to 5 are our big times, so um, we try to make sure we nail those times down. So, uh, yeah, definitely during uh, football season, those are really, really important. Uh, it's a little different right now because not everyone's back to work. Um, so it kind of like right when the pandemic started, it was a lot of, you know, we were getting a lot of call traffic between like two and three, which usually is slow for us. Um, and then between four and five twenty-five was actually a little bit slower because usually that's when people are turning the radio off and kind of maybe, you know, being with their family and whatnot. So, um, we didn't really get as much call traffic from four on, but now it's kind of coming back because it seems like everyone's slowly coming back to work. So we can kind of get back to, to scheduling around the drive times. Now, with that being said, with the with the pandemic, has has your show in particular, and I've uh, I would imagine it is the case, but have you guys picked up any new callers? Any new like uh, with me aside? I got it. Yeah, I yes, I am I am one of those new guys. But is there anybody else or any other people that have kind of come out the woodwork, so to speak, and have made their presence felt on the uh, Marks and Reese show? Marks and Reese show during this pandemic. Yeah, actually, it's been interesting because, uh, you know, during the football season, during whatever, everything else, it's like, we know who our callers are. Like, we know who's going to call, we know when to expect them. Well, not when to expect them, but, like, we know generally who's going to call the show. Um, and since the pandemic started, like, you popped up, which was interesting. Uh, another Herb of the Northeast is another interesting <laughs> character. Um, <laughs> yes, he I, I is. I guess he's like a Lyft driver, I think. Oh, and, really? Uh, I thought he was involved in the MLB Players Association as well as an NBA coach. That's what I yeah, was. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of odd jobs, I guess. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, yeah, he's, I guess he's a Lyft driver. I guess he just got back to work last week, so he hasn't called in a little bit. Um, there's a guy who's calling right when I started named Sean Bluebell, who I thought was a good caller. Um, but, yeah, there's actually been a couple that have seems like they don't really have much to do and they're calling us and it's, it's helped us get through 
um, a rough patch without sports. I mean, we're almost at what eighty days. March March tenth was the last Philly sporting event. So um, yeah, it's it's been cool to see new guys pop up and then join our show. Yeah, and that's probably a really pleasant byproduct of a very very bad situation and that's actually really good and I, i'm sure now i, I get it I, I i know you guys weren't all like yeah so no one can do anything else but listen to the radio we're going to pick up a lot of listeners i know that wasn't the theme but uh, it's obviously a very pleasant byproduct of that yeah i mean like it, it it's weird it's like more people are listening but uh like sometimes the calls don't really reflect that um, because like they're in their house or whatnot, like they'll start on Alexa. Um, but like we do lose the people driving around and, right. and calling in, which was a, a big part. But it, it all seems like it's kind of around and coming back now. Yeah, and that's that's a great thing. And as we get started here, Jack, and we talk a little bit more about uh, about sports in general. Now, you are a self-described baseball guy. Is that is that correct? Would you put baseball as like your number one sport? Yeah, 100%. I mean, baseball's, I, mean, I played my whole life, played into college. Um, like the Phillies, like just, I always just think about the Phillies. Uh, I know, I know it's an Eagles sound, and I love the Eagles no. just as much as everyone else, but the Phillies are my passion, and yeah, I, I love baseball, and everything that's happening right now is not great for the sport. But, no, it you know, is not. And hopefully they can figure it out. I, yeah, I really, really, like, I mean, like within the next 48 hours, hopefully they can figure it out, but. So, Jack, uh, just again a little bit about your baseball career. Were you ever scouted or signed or drafted? Did you ever go that route professionally? Um, well, so I always, <laughs> always tell people I got an email from a Cub Scout when I was in high school. And uh, no, not not like Cub Scouts, like the Cub Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> got it. You should say Chicago Cub Scout. <laughs> right, right. It was actually Chicago Cub Scout. Um, and then never heard from him again after he emailed him back. So, um, no, my, I was more scouted as at a, I was more like a low division one, division two kind of pitcher. Um, I had some, if I had better grades, I probably could have gone to a, a lower division one school. Uh, but I did not. So I, uh, pitched at Bloomsburg for two years and then, uh, stopped playing to, to focus on, on radio stuff. Well, obviously, Major League Baseball's loss is WIP, and the entire city of Philadelphia's gain. So it worked out well for you, Jack, and I'm glad to see that. So, all right, Jack, we're going to get right into this, and I want to play you a clip. I want to play you two clips, and I want your gut like reaction after I play you this first clip. You ready? Yep. I understand, too, because y'all going to be like, bro, Blake, play for the love of the game, man. What's wrong with you, bro? Money should not be a thing. Bro, I'm risking my life. What do you mean it should not be a thing? It 100% should be a thing. If I'm going to play, I should be getting the money I signed to be getting paid. I should not be getting half of what I'm getting paid because the season's cut in half on top of a 33% cut of the half that's already there. <laughs> so I'm really getting like 25%. On top of that, it's getting taxed. So imagine how much I'm actually making to play. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't making – and on – all right, Jack. And that's the face of Major League Baseball right there. What's your what's your reaction to that little clip from uh, Blake Snell? Well, I think what he's saying is right. I mean, the bro, I'm risking my life thing is obviously a, a little bit much. Uh, but like, what, he, what he's saying isn't wrong, and it seems like that's that's kind of the the mindset of the players right now. It seems like they're all kind of in that same that same mindset of of 
we already took a pay cut. Now you want us to take another pay cut. We're the ones risking everything. I mean, we're playing. We're uh, going to be in the clubhouse. We're going to do these like six feet apart in a dugout in the stands. Like we're doing all that stuff. And and, and I think the biggest thing with the players is that like they have a shelf life, whether it's two years, five years, ten years, fifteen years, whatever. Like they have a shelf life. And Major League Baseball is making money every single year, like hand over foot. They've won $10.6 billion last year. So, like, if it, like these players, they need, they need to stand up for themselves, and they need to do whatever it takes to try to get as much money as they can because, like, these owners are going to start making money again next year, and they're going to own these teams forever. So, like, I, I'm, I'm so on board with what the players are doing, um, and – you know, obviously it's it's millionaires versus billionaires, but I don't understand the the amount of people that are siding with the the billionaires when the when the players are assuming all the risks. So, like I, Blake Snell, I like the Burlers, my life thing was a little bit much, but his general message was the correct message. Now, let me ask you this, Jack. Uh, and again, I, I I said it earlier that WI or baseball's loss is WIP's gain. But let me let me put the scenario to you. Tomorrow or today, as soon as you get off the phone with me, somebody from the New York Yankees calls you and says, we found some old tape of Jack Fritz. We want to put you into the system right now. We want to sign you to a $15,000 a year contract. Put you in, in low A ball tomorrow. Is Jack Fritz doing that, or is Jack Fritz holding out for a couple million dollars a year? Well, I mean, I no. would, just because I would, I would just want to play baseball. Um, That's correct. You just want to play baseball, right? So you'll be doing it straight up for the love of the game, correct? Yeah, but also I'm not the one that like, I'm not going to go anywhere with it. Like I mean, not, I don't know how the Yankee, how much success the Yankees would have with a, a slightly overweight righty that throws, you know, 81 miles an hour. Like I don't know how much the Yankees are doing it. So you could be a late inning reliever, Jack. You could be the change of pace guy. I mean, I'm just saying though that I got your point, and I understand the players. They want to cash in on what they what they got. I mean, it's it's an open free society, and they want to make money off their talent. I understand that, but there is a population of players out there, maybe a little bit lower than the Blake Snell pay group that is playing for the love of the game. Would you not agree? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, sixty five percent of major leaguers are making under a million dollars, really a million dollars or less. And they probably just want to get, they probably just want to make that. But I think if you're a player, it's like the love of the game is one thing, but you have to also like you have to stand up for yourself when it comes to what the owners have done to them recently. I mean, the, 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 it seems like they've been colluded against in, in free agency. Uh, it's almost like you guys take you gotta kind of you gotta kind of take the hit now in hopes that after 2021 that the owners don't don't mess up again with the with the next CBA. So like, I understand a lot of the game thing, but I think you have to almost look at this from a greater good uh, of the player's side. And I think that's more where they're at. Like I understand a lot of the game, but I mean, they're not going to have a place of players forever. So if you can, you can threaten them with the Jack Fritz's of the world, um, but <laughs> also letting the owners will be like, wow, this is a horrible product. And uh, they'll, they'll go back to the players that have. Uh, that's that's a that's a definitely a uh, yeah, you know that's a technique I guess but all right Jack I want you to listen to this next clip and I want you to give me your reaction to it okay uh, it's Snell saying a stream earlier do you know uh, that he said it's not worth it to play with pay cuts and that he like 
they're you guys are risking your lives getting like obviously getting COVID. Yeah, I love Sam. That's my guy, bro. If you, I love. He Sam. said if he said if someone gets it, they got to live with that for the rest of their lives. He ain't and lying. He's right. He's like, I need my. He's like, give me my money, or I'm not saying. <laughs> hey, bro, he's speaking the truth, bro. I ain't mad at him. Some. All right. Now, Jack, obviously, can you identify that uh, those voices? Could you please? Bryce Harper and uh, Philly's first round pick, Bryce Scott. Yep. Both of, both of Las Vegas on their Twitch stream. Um, and it's like, Bryce also didn't hear the comments, so, so he's kind of going off the second hand. Uh, but, like, it's, it's important, I think, for, for Bryce to kind of, because Bryce is still the face of baseball. He's, he's been the face of baseball for a long time. Uh, he's the one that made $380 million. Uh, he's he's the one that's taking a major pay cut uh, to play this year. So I think it's important for guys that 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 Bryce is on their side, and you know the the, the owners came back and they did their counter proposal a couple of weeks ago, and it felt like that they were trying to divide and conquer the the union and whatnot, and pit their rich players against the against the players who aren't making as much. And it seems like the union has been unified in not letting that happen, which I think is important. It's important that uh, the star players don't just, just take this or the, or the players making a million dollars less don't just take this and kind of, kind of make the star players lose as much. Like, I think it's important that Bryce is, is out there and he's kind of being their face. So do you think Bryce Harper has a uh, – well, you kind of mentioned it already, but do you think that the, the responsibility that Bryce Harper has to not only – represent baseball as the face of baseball but he also is the face of the Phillies do you think that the conversation between let me let me put it to you this way if Jack Fritz is the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies and when this thing all settles down are you talking to Bryce Harper behind closed doors about say uh, social media responsibility no because I think I think he's proven to be savvy enough with it um and I don't think that that was a I don't think that was like a damning quote from him like I mean he's just with his fellow ball players, so uh, no, I, I, I would not have a because like Bryce has never Bryce has never messed up so to say on social media. So now he he'll be fine. And ultimately, as long as they get on the field and play, he is Bryce Harper. No one's gonna care. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but then again, I know I'm, I might be a minority in this, but I was not overly thrilled by Bryce Harper's production last season. I thought he struck out way too much, and he struck out way too much in the wrong situations throughout the season so I maybe he was pressing a little bit maybe he was he didn't like Gabe Kapler I don't know but uh I wasn't overly impressed how were you uh how did you think of his first year in Philadelphia um I don't know I, I thought it was I think people had a little bit too high expectations yeah, I agree. you know I, agree. I think people thought they were getting uh you know Mike Trout or whatever Bryce is a really really good player but like Mike Trout's almost in a different stratosphere yeah so like I wasn't really surprised um, I thought it was just a it was just a Bryce Harper season, you know, strikeouts and home runs and a two sixty average. And I was actually impressed by his defense. Like I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, He's got a rifle out there. But yeah. also, like, I think you have to factor in. I think you have to factor in that you know he's moving to a new city. We got he, he didn't have all spring training. His wife was pregnant. Like all that stuff. Okay. He said all the right things. He played really hard. He played pretty much every day. So I'll, I'll take that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, offensively, offensively, you're looking for a little bit more. Um, but I also think that his overall numbers are kind of sunk by a terrible May. And if you looked at 
like the the first game you ever started toe tapping, which I loved, like you started toe tapping. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hamels when he hit two home runs, and he was eight twenty five. I think it was yeah August twenty fifth. Yep. And from that point on, like he batted, I think two eighty plus with like a three ninety OEP. Just looked like a totally different offensive player. And and in spring training this year, he, he was back doing the toe tapping stuff. So. Yeah, hopefully that can kind of unleash another level of Bryce Harper. I think another thing that people like don't forget, but have to be reminded of, is this dude's like 26 years old, 27 years old. He's just getting into his prime now. So uh, there's another level of Bryce Harper that I think is is still coming. I think we'll have another uh, close to MVP type year for for Bryce, but maybe not this year. We're talking to Jack Fritz, a, a producer with WIP. He produces the Marks and Reese, Reese show. Well, I can't say that. The Marks and Reese show, weekdays, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. on 94.1 FM. Jack, where else can we see you out there, or where else can we hear you out there in, uh, in, the, in the Internet world? Jack? Sorry, what did you say? Where else can we find you out there well, other than the Marks and Reese show? Follow me on Twitter at Jack Fritz, W-I-P. Uh, Instagram at Jack Fritz, W-I-P. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. All if right. you can find me on Facebook, you can have me on Facebook. But uh, that's up to you. All right, Jack. Listen, we're going to transition a little bit. And, and I really, I, I, you know, MLB is not even anywhere close, I think, to resolving this. And there's a real possibility, I do believe, that the season may not happen. But, Hopefully it does, and if it does, I want to start talking about like what might be the product on the field, and not necessarily what the product. I mean, it is a certain point of what the product will be based on this pandemic. But of course, here in Philadelphia, we got a we got a first year manager. Well, first year manager to the Phillies and Joe Girardi. He's not obviously it's not his first year managing. But what do you believe that would make Joe Girardi's first season, and regardless if it's a fifty or eighty or a hundred game season? What makes his first season a success here in Philadelphia? Well, I think it's, I think it's, the, well, here's the, the problem is the 10 team division is pretty loaded. I mean, yeah. Yankees, Red Sox, Nationals, Braves, like, like teams that are object, like Rays, uh, objectively better than the Phillies are. So like making a playoffs would be nice. Uh, but really like, for me, a successful season, and I know we can't really judge it by September anymore, but, like, the, the most frustrating thing about the last two Gabe years was that, like, September, it looked like they would just throw in the towel and say, ah, oh, whatever, we'll, we'll just give up. And, I hope that's and, not what they did, but it did seem like it, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, the, like, the, the annoying thing about those teams was that it felt like they kind of took on Gabe's persona of, like, nothing's that big of a deal, so... I would just like to see urgency from this team. I'd like to see this team uh, be fundamental and 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 just play smart baseball. Yeah. Um, and really just look like they give a crap. You know, that was the most frustrating thing yeah. about some of the teams last year and the year four was like there was just no sense of urgency. It never looked like it was anything was that big of a deal. Um, so yeah, if, if they if they come out and and Girardi looks like they kind of lit a fire under them and. That'd be great, and I think you can just—I think you'll know a success just by watching them. 
Like they they don't have a talent of the other teams in the, in the NL East or whatever the ten team division they're going to be in. But I think we'll know if it's a success or not. Like even when the Phillies were in first place in their game, like it never felt like they were a good baseball team. Like they were even when they were like ten games over five hundred. Like yeah, it's nice, but I, I still don't I still don't see it. You know, yeah. I think you can see a good baseball team. And I think I think we'll be able to tell under Joe Girardi if this is a good baseball team or not. So uh, I'm not I'm not needing the playoffs for it to be a success, but just just play like a good, smart baseball team that you can hopefully grow with. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's an actual great great point. It's it's you always we're waiting for that other shoe to drop with Gabe and that that fallout to start because you just you always knew that there was something that didn't seem legit about any of those runs uh when they were in first place and you're always waiting for that you know as you said that 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 just that collapse so no i agree i think that's a great point now based on if baseball does return and they do return in this 10 team i think they're going to call it the eastern division is that what uh, i believe that's what they're going to call the division would be the phillies the mets the yankees the red sox the blue jays the nationals the pirates baltimore and both the florida teams tampa and miami I don't know what the playoff format will look like, but in a, say, a 50-game season, Jack, playing in that division, what is the ceiling of a record for the Philadelphia Phillies in a 50-game season? In a 50-game season? Yeah, are they they 25 and 25? I mean, what is their projected record playing in that type of division? Oh, man, like, I would take take 27 and 23. Yeah. That's actually like, that's, really good. That's pretty, like a little bit over five hundred. That's a pretty loaded division. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, Ra- the Rays are good. The Nationals are good. The Red Sox are okay. We'll see what they're going to be this year. The Yankees are obviously unbelievable. They're getting healthy. Um, the Mets, I think, are actually they have a pretty loaded roster, but they're the Mets, so you never really can trust them. And then the Phillies are kind of right there with the Mets <laughs> and oh, and the Braves too. I mean, geez. So uh, yeah, no, like like that's just a almost a gauntlet for that team to kind of get through. So if they go if they go 500 or two games above 500, I think that is uh, that's about where the seat could be. Yeah, and is that do you think that? Uh, and again, there's no way to know this right now, but is that a playoff record in 2020? Well, yeah, well, I don't even know what the I yeah know I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what that even will look like. So yeah, I mean, usually it's seven or they're gonna bump it up to one more team. You know, seven, I guess. So. Yeah, what was that? Uh, yeah, maybe it's like six teams of division, maybe. I don't know. Wow, that makes sense. That would be interesting, and it'd be interesting to see how that kind of that plays out. But I agree. I think Joe Girardi is definitely a ten game, maybe a ten game improvement over Gabe Kapler, and that's in a traditional season. That is in the NL East National League. I think that he's a ten game improvement under this new format of projected ten team Eastern Division. I, 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 I don't know. I, I think it, all the money. Is on the table at this point. It could go a lot of different ways. I still don't think they have enough pitching. I still don't think they have enough. They have nothing in the bullpen, and I think ultimately that'll again be the topic of discussion with this with this team. What, what do you think they're still missing? Oh, I think listen, the the oversight, like the, the the bullpen this offseason, their their plan I think was so flawed, and I think it was. I feel like anyone just from the outside looking in, watching this team operate this offseason from a bullpen standpoint, was like was was screaming, and it's like a pillow. Like, it basically their whole plan was Sarant 